Like that scene from Clue where she says, flames on the side of my face. That's my feeling, but love. Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode 192 for the week of April 25th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm with my co-host, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. In this episode, we'll be talking about the last five songs of the second Eurovision semifinal with our special guest, Nava Wolf. Hey, Nava. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to be talking about Austria's entry today, and I know that that is one that you are very, very excited about. <laughs> but one thing that I was curious about and that we always ask new guests to the show, how did you get introduced to Eurovision? Oh, gosh. It's a long and sordid story, I feel like. I fell into Eurovision originally through joke entries. Here's a fun secret fact that most Eurofans don't know. There is a Jewish song that's super popular at like weddings and bar mitzvahs called Yidin by an artist named Mordechai Ben David. It is Genghis Khan, just in Yiddish. <laughs> okay. I mean, different words, totally different meaning, but it's the same tune. Jewish kids grow up knowing this song, Yidin, Yidin. And it's like this rite of passage when you discover that it's actually the same exact tune as a German Eurovision entry that has this incredible and ridiculous dancing. Everyone has this moment of shock and amazement when you discover this and think you're the only person who discovered this. I do believe he licensed it. He didn't just rip them off, but it is the weirdest thing you'll ever see in your entire life. So that was my first foray into Eurovision. After that, it was some combination of Verka and Vampires Are Alive, which felt like a big game of how many people had to approve this which is my favorite game, generally. Uh, and for a while, that was sort of where I lived in the Eurovision world. I think it was around 2017 that I started to actually pay attention to more than just the joke entries, which, by the way, will always have a special and soft place in my heart. And I started to really fall in love with the contest as a whole. And every year since then, I fall like a little bit further and further. Like 2017 was the first year I hosted a Eurovision party, which, to be clear, when I say hosted a Eurovision party, I don't have a television in my house. So I forced all my local friends to come to another local friend's house and watch the contest with me. <laughs> One of the proudest moments of my life was when we were watching, I want to say 2018, and uh, one of my friends had no interest in Eurovision at the beginning of the night, and he sat down and he was like, okay, this is pretty good. And the, the, the voting started, and he was like, you know, I don't really care who wins. It doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> and we got like halfway through the jury votes. He was like a very chill dude, and he said very quietly and intensely, did they watch the same show I just watched? If Austria wins the jury vote, I will flip this table! I believe I had the same reaction in 2018, come to think of it. So. Yeah, like that was, that was just sort of a weird year. Were we watching something different? Anyway, uh, so ever since year since then, I've sort of fallen further and further down the rabbit hole. 2020 was actually my first year following the national final season, which made it all the more devastating when that year didn't have the final cap. One of the things I love so much about the contest, aside from everything else, is the opportunity to sort of immerse myself in the musical scenes of different countries and have discovered so many artists whose work never made it to Eurovision, but has earned permanent places on my playlists. A few years ago, I had the true pleasure to mix business with pleasure when I got to publish Catherine Valente's Hugo Award finalist novel, Space Opera, a book that asks, what if Eurovision, but in space, and the fate of the human race depends on our ability to sing it out? And that's how Eurovision became part of my job. I actually started a new job a couple of months ago, 
and was sort of unsettled in an amazing way when one of my colleagues at our serious adult literary imprint started liking my Eurovision tweets and my San Remo tweets. And I discovered that she was publishing William Lee Adams' memoir, Wild Dances. And I was just like, it's following me everywhere. And that's oh, why I wow. had a business oh, meeting yeah. about actual Eurovision at my new job that has nothing to do with Eurovision. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not mad about it. But it's my oh, life now, that- I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. that is so awesome. Yeah. Your, your vision is a big tent and a small world at the same time. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm just thinking about joke entries. We got invited at the end of last year to contribute to a roundup of everybody's favorite Eurovision and adjacent things. And I wrote something about Latvia's process last year, which had so many beautiful kind of jokey things in the mix. So much good stuff. Excellent. Shall we dive in? Yes, please. Let's do it. All right. Starting off this set is the Italian band Peaked Jacks, winners of the second edition of Una Voce per San Marino, with their song Like an Animal. The group formed in Tuscany in 2006, released their first EP in 2010, and their first studio album came out in 2015. There have been a couple lineup changes since their debut, with the current configuration having worked together since 2019. They released their third studio album, Synchronizer, in 2021. Peak Jax has worked with producers in Los Angeles, leading to some appearances in U.S. venues. The band performed at Milwaukee's Summerfest last year and are scheduled to return for this year's event in July. Like an Animal is written by band members Andrea Lazzaretti, Francesco Bini, Marcos Garamella, and Tommaso Oliveri. San Marino missed out on last year's grand final as Achille Loro's stripper finished 14th in the second semifinal. So Nava, what do you think of Like an Animal? So before I tell you what I think of Like an Animal, I have to point out that you missed one of the key and critical facts about Peak Jacks, which is the nicknames of all the band members. Oh, yeah, I kind of purposely <laughs> skipped past that. <laughs> because when you read them, which are E-King, Little Ladle, Holy Harga, and Magic O, it sounds like AOL instant messenger handles from 1996, which is amazing. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about the band. I have to confess that no matter how many times I've listened to the song, I cannot make it stay in my brain. I literally cannot remember what it sounds like or what the words are or how to sing along. And I've listened to it so many times, on purpose even, and it just leaves. Generally, as a Eurovision watcher, I'm a huge fan of the chaos San Marino brings to Eurovision. I was a stalwart member of the Serhat for Saturday movement. Still remember where I was when he qualified. Um, <laughs> lost my entire mind when Achille Lauro won in Evoque for San Marino last year. Pour one out for the most unfair non-qualifier last year. Still not okay about it. But when this song was chosen, I was basically like, her? Out of so many, many, many options that San Marino had, which was, it seemed like, almost a third of their country's population, they chose Mm -hmm. this completely forgettable rock song on purpose. I agree with a lot of what you have to say, Nava, although once I found out that they had been at Milwaukee Summerfest and are scheduled to make a reappearance, it kind of cracked open for me, like, oh, this is the kind of band, because it it reminds me of what we were talking about with Bulgaria last year, county fair music. 
I can just picture this song playing across Henry Meyer Festival Park on the other side of the park. The band I want to see is not on yet. I've been on a scrambler or perhaps a large Ferris wheel of some sort. I have a Leiden Kugel in a big plastic cup in one hand and a brat in the other. I'm having a good time. I don't know what song this is. I don't care. Uh, unfortunately, we you do need people to care about your song at Eurovision because this is this is not it. Yeah, I agree and disagree. I think. I think this is fully banking on people who are tuning in on the night. And as long as you don't pay attention to the lyrics, I feel like it's a pretty solid pop rock song. Like, I I think it does have that sort of summer festival vibe about it. And I, I do find it rather hooky. The guitar riff is really nice. And there's kind of a simplicity to it, but not like so simple that anybody's going to be able to easily replicate it. The closest analog that I could make to it is train. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, depending on what your opinion of train is. Nope. But nope. I feel like that's very insulting to train. It's an interesting thing that you're saying that this is counting on the people who are tuning in on the night, especially in our first year in this new televote only semifinal. You know, it's an interesting thing to bank on. Like you're not banking on jury votes. You're literally just banking on people who are tuning in on the night, being into it enough. But I think that's really risky when you're put in the same semifinal as other rock songs. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, Australia, who are better. You can be like feel-good rock, but you have to stand out. You have to be memorable. Yeah, and I, I think that is where their biggest challenge is. Even though there are a lot of rock bands, I don't think any of them are similar enough where you'd be like, they're two peas from the same pod. They're each bringing something different enough where you're able to kind of tell them apart. Then it does end up turn, turning into, okay, well, which one's better at doing what it is that they're doing? And I think they're doing an okay job at what they're doing. They are a rock band that has managed to make this their job. I think that's awesome. I think that's great for them. I don't know if that's necessarily enough for this. And yeah, my last note on this is just like, yeah, no lyrics, just vibes. And I don't think that's going to be enough to get somebody through. <laughs> I will say in their defense, and this is not defense of the music, but just in defense of the band, they gained major brownie points with me when they were on Twitter the other day and they were saying like, hey, looks like we're at their 37th ranked song in Eurovision, but that's cool. We're just here to have a good time and we hope people like our music. And someone was like, yeah, but that still makes you in the top 40. And they're like, yeah, we're still in the top 40. Yeah. We're 37 <laughs> is still up there. So, you know, they seem very good natured and are taking the whole thing in good spirits and enjoying themselves. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I like seeing Eurovision bands who don't take themselves too seriously and are supportive of other artists. I wish them the best, even though I cannot remember their song. I feel like San Marino picks acts that are going to go and have a good time. Sir Hat, delightful. Sunit, yes, more please. I would love to see Valentina Mineta make another return at some point. This is all about ambassadorship rather than actually trying to win. And I think that that has value. To be fair, just to sort of go back to an earlier point. I love Achille Lauro so much. I love him and I have for years. I've been following him in San Remo for years and I adore him and he's one of my favorite artists hands down. And I fully lost my mind when he became San Marino's representative last year. But even though I love him and even though I love Stripper, I was a little dismayed that Stripper was his song because I feel like it's so inaccessible. Like some of his stuff is more entry level Achille Lauro. Like you come in and you're like, this is weird. Minifrego is so accessible, even though it's so, you know, avant-garde and weird. And Stripper felt much more challenging on an entry level space, even though I love it. And even though it was spectacular and it deserves to be top 10, I understand why... 
the reaction of San Marino was to come up with the most basic everyman rock band they could possibly find. They're like, well, we sent something really cool and high-end, and that didn't work, so let's go to something that everyone can enjoy without trying it all, and we'll see if it works for them. I like the calibration approach. They'll find something that'll stick. They are just twisting a big knob on the wall that says accessibility and looking back at the eyes go this. Yeah. This. <laughs> Maybe next year will be their Goldilocks year. They'll find something right in the middle. One thing we know for sure, and that is San Marino always brings the chaos. And I love them for that. And they call themselves the most serene republic. Uh, the San Marino chaos experience. chat about Austria. Theodora Spirich and Selina Maria Edbauer, who go by Thea and Selina, will represent Austria at the Eurovision Song Contest with Who the Hell is Edgar? The duo met while competing on the Austrian talent show Starmania, a program that has been part of the path for several Eurovision alumni. As solo artists, Selina was on the shortlist to represent Austria in 2019, while Thea made the shortlist in 2020. Who the Hell is Edgar was the project of a Czech songwriting camp and is written by Pele Loriano, Ronald Janacek, Selena Maria Edbauer, and Teodora Spirich. Austria reached the grand final in 2018, where it finished third in the contest. Last year's entry, Halo, by Lumix featuring Pia Maria, finished 15th in the first semifinal. Navo. When I reached out, was like, are there any entries you want to talk about? You mostly responded in pose. <laughs> Basically, Austria in all caps. I love this song so much. So much do I love this song. Like that scene from Clue where she says, flames on the side of my face. That's my feeling, but love for Who the Hell is Edgar? It's the perfect Eurovision song. It is a literally flawless masterpiece of a song, and I cannot praise it enough, and I'm so excited to yell about it. I'm very much a fan of this song. It was such a surprise from Austria. It has such a rich sense of humor about it, but is also incredibly bleak in the story that it's trying to tell. It's reminding me a lot of Incorpore Sano from last year, just in, in terms of tackling a very important issue in a way that has so many hooks that the audience is going to be hypnotized by the message, which is a lot of fun. I think both of them are incredibly charming. I've loved watching all of their performances at the various pre-parties the last few weekends. I am very excited to see what the stage presentation for this is going to be, because that, that was what I was most worried about. But just based on how they have been kind of hinting at things, they've got a plan. This will be fine. Cannot wait for it. It's funny because I think that any discussion of who the hell is Edgar has to be accompanied by the Bristol Ball ESC controversy that led up to it. And I have my own conspiracy theories about that, which I think is part of the experience of being introduced to this song, which is fascinating and brilliant. Also, just a recap in case people are unfamiliar, there was a Twitter account called Crystal Ball ESC, which tweeted spoilers constantly. It would announce a country's competitors an hour before they were announced by the country itself. They were always right. No one knew who they were, but they were always right. And then they tweeted a clip of Austria's song. They were going, po, 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 Edgar Allan Poe. And everyone said, it's impossible. This can't be really their song. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But the crystal ball is never wrong. So it must be right. But it can't be right. And it created such 
a stir and people were so confused and so excited. So when Austria announced the date of their song reveal, I've never seen people tune in more excitedly to find out the truth about a song. And what's so amazing about this is that had it not been leaked by this, and I can share my own theories on who this was and why they did it. I think if they had just dropped the song with no lead up, we would have been like, what the hell is this? This is so weird. But because there was all this buildup, my reaction and many people's reaction was, it's real. I can't believe it's real. This is incredible. It's actually real, which gave us a minute to get over that hump of this is so ridiculous. What is happening here and actually pay attention to the song, which is an incredible piece of hype mastery, I think. And the song is legit incredible. It's a song about being possessed by the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe with a dance break. It's ridiculous and impossible in the ways of the most legendary Eurovision songs, and it's also incredibly catchy and fun to sing and to do the dance. As you pointed out, when you peel back the first layer of can you believe this is actually happening, it's also a brilliant and fascinating satire and social commentary, like the Schrodinger's joke entry. Both a joke entry and a dead serious brilliant piece of musical art at the same time. How did they do it? I don't know. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. They've gotten us to eat our vegetables by putting them under a delicious layer of cheese. Oh, yep. I love it. <laughs> love it. Hooks on hooks on hooks, because like, yes, that we have all of the, the poeing, we have the 0 0.003. Underrated, in my opinion, as someone who has done this while walking around my apartment while working from home, saying in your most German accent, who the hell is Edgar? <laughs> <laughs> it's just delightful. I will also say I read an absolutely brilliant essay by a writer named Jessica Doyle, who writes at, uh, at Brainsister.com about the use of the color red in the music video. And I'm not going to sum it up for you, but it's not my original thoughts. It's all hers, but it blows my mind and you should go read it because the intentionality of everything in this music video and the way they are talking about creative energy and who's allowed to be creative and male and female energy and how are men and women are respected or treated differently in the music industry is brilliant and fascinating. And every time I peel back more layers of this song and look at it through new lenses, I'm astonished once again at how much thought and care and intelligence went into this on the surface, silly and ridiculous song about the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe. The second we had that clip from Crystal Ball ESC, everybody posted the Kate Beaton, Edgar Allan Poe looking at a piece of paper inscrutably. My main concern before the pre-parties was like, okay, but how does this sound live? And I no longer have that concern. So now I'm just like, okay, but like, what does the presentation of this song look like on the night? I couldn't be more excited to see. I don't know what it's going to be, but I just can't wait. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do. I trust them absolutely. Every single layer of all of this has been so careful and thoughtful that I fully believe that they are going to pull it off and it's going to be spectacular. Austria seemed very confident about this. They've had a rough few years. Yes, they've been as high as third, but we also had some some very out there choices that didn't always connect from them. This is really a left field choice for Austria. It's not what I expect from them. It's not what I'm used to seeing from them, but it's really welcome. I, I love seeing something like this. This is the kind of thing that I live for internal selections for. Sometimes you have an internal selection gives you something really middle of the road and you're like, you chose this on purpose. It wasn't even a choice that was foisted upon you. You chose something incredibly mid and no one made you do it. But this is the kind of thing that I love to see in an internal selection. Choosing something unusual and unexpected and really interesting and really smart. Sort of like you don't want to leave it in the hands of the of, of voters. You just want to say, yes, this is the thing we're doing because it's amazing.
Adina Kalmendi, along with her parents, brother, and two sisters, will represent Albania with the song Duya. Born in Kosovo, Albina first gained notice in 2014 when she competed on the fourth series of The Voice of Albania, where she finished in second place. Since then, she has released several singles, with her debut album, Nana Loke, coming out last summer. Albina and Familia Kalmendi participated in the 61st edition of Festivali Ikangas in December with the song Duya. While the song finished second in the overall festival, the Albanian public chose their entry to go to Liverpool. Duya is written by Enes Mulaj and Eriona Rushiti. Albania also missed out on last year's grand final, with contest opener Secret by Ronella landing in 12th place in the first semifinal. Bless Albania, honestly. I love that they kind of follow their own drum beat, and I'm just being very nice in Midwestern because I keep waiting for this one to click for me, and it just does not do it. Secret is much more what I want from an Albanian entry because they're very good at mixing their traditional folk stuff in like a pop way, and that didn't work last year, and I feel like they're reacting with this. There's a lot of elements going on, and there's a potential for a lot of people doing lots of stuff on stage. This one is just not clicking for me. I feel like the thing that happens with Albania is that they're so early. They have Festival you can get so early in the season that I get so excited for anything they do because it's a taste. You know, we get to see something. Something's happening in Eurovision season, and I get very invested in Albania, and I get very excited in whatever wins. I'm like, yes, great, amazing. And I think it takes a really extraordinary Albanian entry to have sticking power for, through the rest of the season. Now, this is not that one, unfortunately. I remember when it won, and I was like, oh, Albania, you'd have made a great choice. This is such an interesting thing. You know, this family singing together. The song is catchy. And it sort of stayed in the middle for me. I Not amazing, not terrible, just kind of there. I was more excited about it at the beginning of the season, and now it's just kind of there. I don't hate it. I don't love it. In prepping for this episode, I was going through this mini playlist several times, and every time that this one came up, the scene from the Brady Bunch movie came into my head of their plan to get the money that they need for whatever whatever the MacGuffin is was for Mike to sell one of his designs. And they show him <laughs> showing off the design to various different businesses, like a car dealership, a gym. And the design is the Brady Bunch house with the business sign on top of the roof. I kind of feel like that's where Albania is at this point, at least in terms of Eurovision entries. I, I feel like it's the same elements just kind of rearranged on the table and it's not always going to work and i think it's just going to depend on what the mood is that year it's tricky with albania just because their selection method is their national music festival and eurovision just happens to be part of the prize package it's not even always part of the prize package this one did not win the festival it was chosen by the public so it won the the televote basically there's nothing objectionable about it. I am a little bit worried about the staging because it is a family of six people. So it's just going to be them on stage. But are they just going to be grouped together and singing? That's not going to be a very interesting performance. But I don't want them all scattered on the stage and then trying to figure out how to film all of them. Like, I, I feel like it's either going to be really, really boring or really, really chaotic. Neither one is going to be all that interesting to watch. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of an uphill battle. It's a pleasant enough song, but I don't think pleasant is going to cut it, unfortunately. Albania's history of staging is not strong. I share your concerns. The same way I feel absolutely confident that Taya and Selena are going to pull off some incredible staging. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it's going to be great. I feel very confident that this is going to be a mess. 
Yeah, yeah no, this this has big Demol energy. Six vocalists, and I mean, Albina is the is the lead, but also the F- Familio Comandi is there. We got to feature them. Although that is one thing that I do like about the revamp. The vocals do push the backing vocals, and you do get to hear the other people in the family in the track, which I appreciate because they do have lovely voices. Like it's like there's nothing. This is so such a nice entry, and it's just like oh, I'm so glad the family is coming together for this. But Eurovision is a weird place to have a family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the last Albanian entry that I really loved was you can pull Peppa, uh, you can push Peppa and Mall. I've been waiting for them to give me that ever since. Like the high that that gave me. Ugh. And I just want that up again. I just want yeah, because like back Albania. As we've said, Eurovision is a nice side thing for Festival Ikangas. And they tend to like the same things. And when those elements are all in place, you get something like Mall. And a bunch of the other times, you get something like this. They're definitely in the same family of song. And sometimes that's what the mood of Eurovision is, is we want that. And other years are like, yeah, but like we have so many other party songs this year and we really want to party this year. Ultimately, the nice thing about Eurovision is having so much variety. So there certainly is nothing else like Duya this year. This is the only thing that is an entire family singing together on stage. It has that going for it. It's nice to have some diversity, some musical diversity. But, you know, again, this is the sort of thing that I was very delighted for it when it won. And it's sort of faded for me a lot. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting about Albania's process because I feel like it's the same thing for me. Like, okay, I like this now, but once I have everything else, where is this going to sit? It feels like more often than not, Albania ends up in the middle for me. I always feel bad for them because it's such a strong start. I'm like, yeah, Albania, you did it. And then everyone else does it. And I'm like, okay, Albania, I guess you did it. At least they're set up to always be in somebody's top two for at least a little while (laughs) until January really goes into full swing. Just All right, let's talk about Lithuania. Monica Linkite will be returning to the Eurovision stage with her song Stay following her win at Pabandam Ishnaujo. Monica and Vidas Belmila represented their country in 2015 with This Time and finished in 18th place. Since her time in Vienna, Monica's debut album Walk With Me won three MAMA awards, including Best Album, Best Song, and Best Female Act. In 2016, she studied music education at the British and Irish Modern Music Institute. She has released several singles in the meantime and appeared as a juror on previous editions of Pabandam Ishnaujo. At this year's national final, Stay won the jury and finished second in the televote, creating a tie situation with Ruta Moore's song So Low. The jury result was a tiebreaker, giving Monica her ticket to this year's Eurovision. Stay is written by Christ's Is Dronestinks and Monica Linkite. Monica Liu represented Lithuania last year in Torino, finishing in 14th place with her song Sentimentai. I really wish the instrumentation was stripped back a bit on this one. I think it's a really lovely vocal, and I like how it kind of builds into this community feeling, particularly with the backing singers in the second verse and bringing them kind of into the story that she's trying to tell. But 
I would really love the vocals to be highlighted a little bit more and to have the song be a little bit more hymn-like. I think that would really kind of elevate the track. There's this really subtle kind of heartbeat drumming that is happening that were emphasized a little bit more. It would give this song a little bit more oomph. I find this one really catchy. I love the adding of the uh, Shuto Duto, which was not part of the original track. That was added in either in the semifinals or the final for Pabanda Mishnaoyo. I think that was a brilliant move because I think that's going to allow the audience to get pulled in and really allow them to be part of this group experience. She is an alum. She knows how to perform at Eurovision Live. I, I don't think she's going to have a problem with that. She sounded great at the pre-parties. I think the thing that I'm most curious about is how the song is going to exit, because there's not a power note at the end. I'm, I'm curious to see how this ends as a performance. I like this one. I'm, I'm hoping it goes through. I will say this was absolutely not my favorite to win. I was definitely more of a Ruta Moore fan, and I was a little disappointed. When I saw the song live, I had a sort of a her moment again, where I was just like this. This is like, that seemed very, very middle of the road to me. Since then, every time Stay comes on my Spotify playlist, I go, oh, what is that? That's lovely. What am I listening to? Sort of the opposite of Duye. Stay has been a grower for me. Um, it's definitely not in my top 10 or anything like that. It's not at the top of my list, but it's definitely had growing power that I didn't expect. There's something really lovely about the emotion in her voice and the Chuto Tuto chorus and just the way she brings it all together. I think you're right. I think it's the fact that she's an alum that really makes, she knows what she's doing. She knows how to you know work the Eurovision stage. I don't know. There's something really emotional about it that I unexpectedly find really lovely. There are parts of this that I think are just vocally are just absolutely going to pop off in the arena. There's some moments where I could definitely see, and I think they did this at Pabana Mishnayo, at least in like some of the final performances, like some big sweeping camera work. That Chuto Tuto is brilliant. Like we know from last year that Lithuanian is a language that will work at, at Eurovision. Like that was the really like one of the first times Lithuanian had been on the Eurovision stage as a language. I think vocally it's really good. Mike, I also agree with you that there's a lot going on instrumentation wise, and I feel like they are throwing a lot of stuff at the wall with this one at the london eurovision party she brought like a local choir on with her which feels like a lot i like this one it's it's grown on me nava i was also rooting for ruda that was gonna be a very potentially a very unique song but like this is this is really warmed on me and i'm interested to see what they do i will say that lithuania as a eurovision country has really impressed me over the last few years aside from just their winners i mean the songs that they send which have been impressive year to year to year just the quality of the Pabandam is now songs that they're sending. There are so many incredible artists, and I just feel like they're taking Eurovision really seriously. And they're inventive, and they're willing to send things that are interesting and try things out. And it's become a national final that I really, really enjoy and I'm impressed with. And have discovered some artists that I really love from from just watching them as a country. Talking about her, you know, sending a choir and switching up the staging and adding in a chorus. It just, I think, speaks to the Lithuanian delegation as a whole and what they're willing to try and how they're willing to really put themselves out there and experiment and try to make the whole performance really come together. So, you know, I share some of your concerns, Mike, about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But unlike some other countries we may have mentioned in today's podcast, I have a little bit more faith in Lithuania to really be invested in bringing it together in a beautiful way. What they have done with Pabandom Ishnaoyo the last few years, they've developed a really good bench of talent, and it's very clear that they they are interested in winning and would like to be in that conversation. I'm not sure that this is the year, but it would not surprise me if they find the right act and song very soon. I would love to see Lithuanian Eurovision. I think that uh-huh. would be spectacular, and I 
fully think that they could pull it off and do an incredible job. Also, I think they've demonstrated that they're really good at rolling with the punches. Like last year, they were intending to use the rotating sun as part of their staging. And then there's like, oh, that's not going to be an option. And they still managed to turn out a fantastic performance and get a pretty decent result. You would never have known that that was not the intended background for Monica, by the way she pulled off that stunning performance. I honestly don't think this is Lithuania's year, and I'm fine with that. I like the song a lot, but it's not... It's not astounding to me. It's a solid, lovely song that I'm very happy to see at Eurovision, but I don't think it's a winner. But I really love the trajectory Lithuania is on. And I am looking forward to seeing what they bring year to year. And I am very hopeful that we'll see a Lithuania victory within the decade. If this were in the other semifinal, I think it would be a major fight and might not make it. I think there's a little bit more safety in this semifinal. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that carries them through. I do not envy the team that had to figure out, okay, what order do we put all these things in? But this one feels like it's in the same area. I'm just trying to think of what we discussed a couple weeks ago of like, in Estonia, we see this sort of song at Eurovision. It's sung very well. There was a lot of other weird stuff tonight. I like this one. This, this feels good to me. Yeah, I hope it does well, and I hope it resonates with people. I think it'll be a nice little vacation in between some of the other loud things and weird things that I think it'll be a nice comforting place to sit for a little while for viewers. Closing out the second semifinal will be Australia's Voyager and their song Promise. Voyager formed in Perth in 1999 and have been trying to represent their country since Australia joined the contest in 2015. The band released their first album, Element V, in 2003, and their seventh album, Colors in the Sun, in 2019. Voyager has had gigs in the U.S., including multiple appearances at the annual Prague Power Festival in Atlanta. The group finished second in last year's edition of Australia Decides, where it won the televote. 2023 is the last year of Australia's current invitation to compete at Eurovision, and there's no word yet on if that invitation will be renewed. Promise is written by Daniel Estrin, Alex Canyon, Ashley Dudecourt, Scott Kay, and Simone Dow. Last year, Sheldon Riley's song, Not the Same, finished in 15th place in the grand final. So Nava, what do you think of Australia's entry? I love it. Simple fact. I just love it. I love Voyager's energy. I love how enthusiastic Promise is. I love belting out the chorus. Uh, I love... Everything about how excited Voyager is to be in Eurovision, they feel like they're one of us. As an American Eurofan, Australia has always felt the most like ours. The ones who just loved Eurovision so much that they sort of elbowed their way in, even though they aren't actually European. Voyager especially just feels like the Eurofans who just love it so much they wanted to be part of it. And now they got to. And they are seizing every moment and every drop of this opportunity. And I couldn't be happier for them. I love this as a closer. It's a good energetic note to end the night on. This is another one that I think is going to be really delightful in an arena setting. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Is a lovely thesis statement for this semi in particular. As people, they seem real fun. They've been doing a lot of very good content around the pre-parties, uh, hanging out with all of the other artists. One of my notes is just all caps, KITAR. Love the energy and the cheese of bringing the guitar on stage. I adore them, simply. I think they're a perfect mm-hmm. closer to close out the semifinals. 
especially in a televote-only semi, I think they're going to do fantastically. Sorry to you, San Marino, but I think people will have forgotten the unfor- the forgettableness of Peak Jacks in place of a delight like like Promise. Like I think it's just going to overshadow everything. It's such a wonderful closer that it's going to stick in people's heads and people are going to walk around humming it and not be able to let go of it. I guess I have to be the bad guy here. <laughs> Do it! Be the bad guy! Like, yes. I completely agree. Like Their enthusiasm is infectious, and I can understand why the fandom adores them. I don't think prog rock is my thing, so I think that's a, a tough barrier to overcome. But I think that this song is a collection of placeholders. Like I, I don't think it really coheres in any functional way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else, how else to describe it, but it's just, I don't get the story of the song. I think there's a lot of different elements that don't come together and they're just kind of getting thrown in. Like, I think it's technically more interesting than San Marino. There's a lot of interesting instrumentation and vocals and that sort of thing, but there's not as much lyrical content. And this is where Eurovision gets kind of weird. It's not like a musical composition contest in a lot of ways, which is frustrating, but I can't follow this song and it does not stick in my head because lyrically, like, it's just not it's just not connecting the dots for me. I think it is going to be an incredible closer. I do not doubt that they are going to be leaning on the pyro. So Ben, please wear something flame resistant. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to check the group chat to find out how close we are to the stage. This isn't for me. I think it's going to do fine. It, it doesn't need me. Mike, would you say that you like San Marino better than Australia this year? I think maybe deep down inside that may be the case. I think I find San Marino's a little bit more approachable and easier to access for a more general audience. And I think the prog rock aspect of Australia's entry, it's not going to be for as many people or intended for as many people. I don't know if I'm really phrasing this the way that I want to, but... See, this is why I love Eurovision so much, right? Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, obviously Australia is a million times better than San Marino and you're sitting here thinking the exact opposite. So it's so great that there's something for every listener. And like San Marino is not for me, but for you or maybe not for you specifically but it's for someone there's someone out there who's gonna love that song i'm glad that they will have it and i think it's really cool i just i just love that there's something there's so many different feelings and opinions it makes things unpredictable yeah and i mean it's also like it is kind of weird to have it on the spectrum of like which one is better they are two completely different songs i wouldn't say better and more like which one resonates stronger with you i mean you have two different like rock songs so i think in the same semi so i think they're obviously going to get held up next to each other Quality is, is, I think, a more, like, you know, sort of harder thing to judge. But just, you know, in terms of taste, like, which one do you like more? Which one do you want to hear more? So I know which one is for me. And for you, it's the opposite. And that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yours is probably going to qualify. Mine is probably not. (laughs) uh... (laughs) Well, I lost a kill hour last year. So everyone loses things and sometimes they really Uh hurt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I think that does also bring up another point where, like, I think this is a very good semifinal for Australia to be in. There's a lot of Eastern Europe that I think is going to really respond to this type of rock more than, certainly more than what San Marino has on offer. Yeah, so I think that's going to do well. UK is voting in this. Like, I, I think there's just a lot of kind of free points that are going to be going Australia's way. And then the fact that it is all televote, I think, is also going to help. Although, I think the juries are probably going to respond to this one. Because, as I said, like, I think there is a lot of technical stuff that is really good in this track. It's just it's... For a song contest that does really kind of require lyrical content, 
like the ratio isn't quite there, but maybe maybe that's going to be a non-issue. Yeah, thinking like metaphor-wise, Mike, I've talked about some songs, generally it's sort of like the, the bland Malta-ish I am what I am sort of thing is being like a skating routine that's just the minimum connective tissue you need to get between the super fancy jumps. There's like a lot of technical stuff going on with it. I am generally not a prog person. When I hear this one, it doesn't read as prog to my brain. I think mm. it's the guitar. I don't know. It probably, probably, yeah. yeah. I'm also not a huge prog rock person, but for some reason, something about the hair whipping around and the guitar and the yelling out the chorus, I don't know. Something about it just hits me in a way that I did not expect. Like last year's rock band did not work for me. I was not a fan. Um, and I don't know if something about this one is really, really hitting for me. I will say on that note, or maybe not on that note, that if the EBU does not invite Australia back after this year, then they are more fools than we ever imagined they would be. Because whether you like Promise or not, whether you like any of Australia's entries or not, the one thing that I think is inarguable is that Australia is very invested in sending quality to Eurovision. And they switch it up. They don't rest on their laurels. They keep trying new things. They send different things. They stage in interesting ways. Australia does not send boring, and Australia does not send bottom barrel effort. Every single song that they have ever sent to Eurovision has been interesting and compelling and different, and they are an amazing Eurovision country, and I would love to see them in the contest forever. I can't imagine that the EBU wants them to not be there. Like, I, I think if Australia is not at Eurovision, that is Australia's decision and not going to be coming from the EBU. Nava, thank you so much for this conversation. It's always great to get new voices to share their thoughts on entries. Are there any other entries that you're particularly excited about this year? Oh, gosh, yes. I'm really excited about Moldova. I always love Moldova, and they did not disappoint this year. Czechia is really working for me this year. Big fan of Finland and Norway. And surprisingly for me, France. France was a big hitter for me. Uh, And Germany, actually, which is another band. So surprise. I will say that this genuinely feels like the most relaxing contest I think I've seen in a while because it feels absolutely certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that Sweden is walking away with it. So I just don't feel stressed about anything at all. Like this is Lorien's year and we're just living in it and we can enjoy the rest of the songs, but we know who's walking away with the trophy. You don't have Lorien in your competition for her to lose. I'm not sad about it. It sounds like the first semifinal is really going to be oh, uh, a party for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm very, I'm already stressed about it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and all the info you need about Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content from the Euro What AV Club, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Euro What, we finish the Eurovision 2023 review series discussing the Big Five in Ukraine with our special guest, Mara Johnston.